in Central Texas. Drive safely. Tom Barfield, Ward White's Aaron Sexton. We're glad you're with us here on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. We're joined now by t- from the uh, Texas Ranger Radio Network, Jared Sandler. Jared, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, guys. I'm doing great. How are y'all? Doing terrific. Let's uh, let's dive into this thing. We knew from the very beginning that this was going to be a rebuild for the Rangers, but it, it kind of we were talking about it earlier. It kind of looks like that you've with the changes that they made at, at the All Star break that this thing looks so totally different than it did back in April. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. And, and you know, even just the change of one person uh, being Joey Gallo totally alters the complexion. No longer do the Rangers really have a guy who, I mean, any listen, anything can happen over a week stretch in this game, but there's no one you look at and say, yeah, you know, this guy, he's poised to carry this four or five game stretch where other guys are struggling. There isn't that one horse and uh, you know, Joey benefited or impacted this team offensively and, and defensively and um, you know, not having him, not having Ty Gibson, not having Ian Kennedy, I mean this team lost its best player, its best starter, and its best reliever. So uh, certainly a little bit of a different look for sure. I was looking at some of the st- statistics uh with with this club. When when you take Joey Gallo out of the mix Minus Nathaniel Lowe, nobody on this team is getting on base with regularity. Nobody's walking, I, I guess, is, is my point. Do, what do you read into that? What do you take out of that as an analyst for, uh, for at, the, at the major league level? Yeah, I mean, I think you know there are a few things. One, it's certainly not the same player to player. I think you got a guy like Adolis Garcia who, uh, you know, I would hope uh, that he would develop the patience to do the walks because he certainly, uh, you know, has developed a, a reputation, at least this year, to where you're going you're gonna to be unsuccessful if you throw him pitches in the zone. Uh, and then there are other guys who, you know, one reason why they might not be walking is teams aren't scared to throw them strikes, you know, and, and until they prove otherwise. You know, I remember asking Chris Woodward something earlier this year about it, until he starts to try and walk, and he said, well, hopefully, you know, he really starts to draw walks. Not that you step into the box with the desire to do that, but because chances are he's going to get pitched differently, you know, after he had shown that, hey, you know, he's a pretty good player. Well, you know, the walks have come a little bit more, but not a lot. But then you look at a guy like Isaiah Kamasalefa, who walks as infrequently as almost anyone in the league, and I just don't know that teams are necessarily scared to throw him strikes. So I think, you know, it's different player to player. But I think at the end of the day, too, you just got to look at this lineup and, and recognize that uh, there is a good chance that seven or eight of these guys, and heck, I mean, maybe nine of these guys won't be around the next time the Rangers uh, make a push for the playoffs. And certainly what is definitely true is that whichever guys are around are probably going to be better versions of who they are right now because they're probably young and still growing. Uh, and, you know, developing that keen eye and, and play discipline for some guys, is very natural, but for a lot of guys, doesn't uh, doesn't happen right away, and it's something you kind of you, you kind of grow into as you start to get more and more experience. Jared, as, as when we were growing up, I mean, you looked at it, you looked at a guy's batting average, and then you started to look at a guy's on base percentage. What is in, in today's numbers, and there's so many different, so many different categories. What is the one area you look at? Is there one particular area? Is it OPS? I mean, what do you look for when you're when you're analyzing a player? Where's the first place you go? 
Well, you know, there, there are definitely some advanced metrics that are, are certainly tough to comprehend because they're not as easy to just kind of sort out with, uh, you know, if that hits divided by bats or, you know, something like that. But, you know, our base percentage is, is something I, I look at just because when you get on base or you, you do something that credits your on base percentage, you're not committing an out and you are not giving away one of the three outs that your team has in an inning. And, uh, you know, I think that's significant. Uh, you know, obviously look at OPS, uh, you know, but I also like to look at the numbers that uh, weight a player's production relative to the climate of the league. So, you know, a year like this year where offense was down, a 7.30 OPS in May was probably a lot better than a 7.30 OPS was three years ago. And so uh, how do you really put that in perspective? So some of the numbers that – uh, I look at the major or more of the advanced type numbers. Weighted runs created plus and Loba uh, are a couple that I like to use. But for the stuff that's you know still a little more commonly understood, uh, on base percentage for sure, and, and OPS kind of looking at the bigger picture. And then this isn't one stat necessarily. I guess it, it, it's a combination of a couple. But you know the strikeout to walk ratio for a hitter is you know kind of along the lines of what you were just talking about. Um, that's also something I think is really important uh, because, you know, guys who walk, uh, you know, at a rate close to one-to-one with a strikeout, uh, you know, with their strikeout numbers are guys that over the long term are probably going to have a lot of success even if maybe their numbers in that particular snapshot aren't where you'd like them to be. How much more turnover do you expect to see with this Ranger Ball Club going through the rest of this season? Well, going through the rest of this season, you know, you'll probably see a few guys come up, uh, you know, young guys, uh, a guy like Nick Snyder. I think it's a coin flip whether a guy like Josh Young comes up. Um, you know, same with Davis Wenzel. Davis, just because of the time he missed due to the hammer phone injury, a lot less likely. Um, but you, you'll see a few call-ups. I, I don't necessarily see or expect the Rangers to – you know, do a ton in the way of, like, uh, you know, designating guys for assignments and stuff like that. But I do anticipate there's going to be a ton of turnover over the next 6, 12, 18 months. And it's just the nature of, of any rebuild. I don't think it's necessarily specific to the Rangers situation, other than the fact that, you know, in trading Joey Gallo, there just really isn't a guy in this lineup that you look at and say, yep, he is absolutely a part of what we are building towards. I think they're still trying to find that guy. Uh, but, you know, as far as turnover over the next six, seven weeks, you know, you'll certainly see some, some guys get opportunities, but I wouldn't expect, you know, I, I expect there to be a lot of roster moves. Uh, that's just the nature of the last month and a half, especially when you're in the position the Rangers are in. But as far as, like, organizational departures, I, I wouldn't expect a whole lot uh, right now. I do think you're going to see a lot once the season ends because the Rangers are going to have to, you know, make some 40-man roster decisions, but uh, they don't need to do anything necessarily over the next few weeks. What is Brock Holt's future as a pitcher? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, hopefully hopefully we see Brock Holt uh, a few more times. Actually, you know, hopefully we don't see him because that means that the game's going to be out of hand like the other uh, like the other day. But, you know, what a, what a fun moment. You know, what's crazy is, you know, that's such an inconsequential inning, right? The Rangers are down 12-3. to uh, there's nothing really about that game that was fun or exciting, I guess, you know, from the long-term standpoint. But uh, six months from now, we'll remember this, right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's one of the like, five or seven things we remember from this season. And, 
Uh, you know, some people might say, well, you know, if you, uh, well, maybe if they were better, you wouldn't. No, you know, listen, there, there's going to be a, a team that wins 90-plus games that probably had a position player pitch for them this year, and it was, uh, you know, offered some comedic enjoyment. It's just it's the nature of a 162-game season, but that was, uh, that was pretty funny. And, and that's honestly, you know, more than whatever he's done on the field, that, that's really, I think, a big part of what Brock Holt offered this organization is just some veteran leadership, not in the way of making the rah-rah super pump-up speech or anything. I just think, you know, he's got a great disposition about him, and you know, the Rangers have lost 14 road games in a row. I mean, that sucks, right? That No one's enjoying that. The Rangers in general on the season have lost a lot more than they've won. That's not fun, but I think having guys around like Brock Holt, who, you know, I don't think Brock is necessarily sweating over his future. You know, I think he knows he probably needs to play better if he wants to play three, four, five more years in the big leagues or something. But in general, this is a guy who, he's an all-star. Uh, he's one of world series. He's comfortable in who he is. And you're surrounded by a lot of young guys who aren't. And that's okay because they're all trying to prove who they are. They're all trying to show that they belong. But having someone to balance that out, I think is super important. And, and Brock has definitely done that. And moments like what we saw on the field in Oakland with a 31-mile-an-hour lollipop strike certainly, <laughs> certainly added some enjoyment. Hey, you know what? And give credit to the umpire. He didn't give up on the pitch. <laughs> hey, hey, you're right. I mean, I, listen, I, I'm kind of impressed that, uh, uh, you know, not only that, I, I'm impressed that Matt Chapman got a base hit. I know he's thrown out trying to steal. And that, that is not that easy. Uh, I mean, if you see that pitch four or five times, all right, you know, that you should hit it. Uh, but that is a different angle than any of those guys are used to hitting a baseball. That was uh, that was that was impressive on a lot of fronts. Hey, uh, some issues in Frisco, obviously with COVID. Does that have any lingering effect to uh, to the big club? I don't think it's. Uh, I think like it could. As far as you know, the potential of guys getting called up, guys. To be honest, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think they've released the specific individuals who have it. Uh, but you know, let's just say Joe Smith, uh, not the actual MLB player. I probably should use a different name. Uh, Mike, Mike Jones McGee is a guy the Rangers are thinking of calling up, and he's got COVID, and he's going to be out for the next you know two three weeks. You know, that could obviously impact things. I, I think it. It really definitely more impacts the, the lower levels. We've already seen some, some moves today, guys getting called up to AA Frisco uh, just to offer some roster support. But um, I don't know that it has a, an immediate effect on the big league club today, tomorrow, the next day, unless AA Frisco had a guy who was on the verge of getting called up uh, who no longer would, uh, would be able to. And, and, and people need to understand that, that there are AA – it, it kind of would you kind of go through that a little bit for for our listeners about where players are placed as far as double A AA and triple A is concerned because guys are going to get moved from double A to the big club. Yeah, it's incredibly rare for a guy to get a call up from A ball to the big league club, and and history is going to show that it happened a lot last year. But that's because there really wasn't A ball. There were guys who had most recently played in A ball in 2019 who got the call-up in 2020. But the reality is that happens almost never. Uh, but once you get to double-A, you're one step away. Uh, you know, I don't think organizations always feel the need with certain guys to go from double-A to triple-A to the big league. Now, I think that, you know, if teams had their druthers, they would love for uh, love to be able to just allow guys to go level to level. But, you know, and, and 
it's it's certainly not clear cut that every Triple A player is better than every Double A player. The way you might linearly think of it, uh, you know, playing out. And um, you know, I'm not going to say that Double A teams would necessarily beat Triple A teams regularly, uh, although their records might not be, you know, for a particular team as bad as you think. But essentially, a lot of times, what you'll see in Double A are guys with super high ceilings, uh, big time prospects who. You know, or just young, or don't have the experience. You know, Triple A is made up of a lot of non-prospects, a lot of these four A guys, or you know, heck, I, I, I certainly hope this isn't the case for Brock Holt. But you know, in 2022, it could be a guy like Brock Holt who's played five, six, seven years in the big leagues, who just isn't as good anymore, and is trying to earn his way back. You know, we saw that earlier this, this year with John Hicks. So you got a lot of those guys who have big league experience, uh, but maybe aren't prospects at the same level that. Uh, uh, you know, a guy in Double A is, but you know, it's not it's not totally one way or the other. You know, the Rangers have some pretty exciting prospects in Triple A, uh, like 22 year old Leody Tavares, for instance. But you know, then you look at Double A and, and the Rangers' rotation with Gary Rodriguez there earlier this year, now up in Triple A. But Cole Cole Wynn, Cole Reagans, earlier Osan Sprouts. You got uh, Davis Wenzel and Josh Young on the position player side, and probably Justin Foskey sooner rather than later. So. These guys are definitely one year away. The one thing I'd add is I, I'm unclear still. Uh, I know earlier this year players were not allowed because of COVID to get the jump up from double-A to the majors. I think those rules have changed. Uh, but I know there was something earlier this year about guys who were and were not in the bubble and people in triple-A and above were quote-unquote in the bubble uh, and thus had different testing. I think you just simply might need to call a guy up uh, and have him wait a couple days perhaps uh, if it's going to be directly from Double A, although don't don't quote me on that because uh, I even asked Chris Woodward the other day and, and he wasn't totally clear just because they really haven't had to make any of those types of decisions just yet. Jared, thanks. Uh, always a pleasure. Love listening uh, to you talk about baseball, and we learn a lot when you come on the program. Uh, pot of coffee tonight, eight thirty pregame and nine ten for oh, that first. Hey. Co- <laughs> hey, I'll tell you guys quickly. I, I throw a celebration every time we have the last nine o'clock start game of the year. And thank the Lord that comes tomorrow night. But no more nine o'clock <laughs> games after tomorrow night. I, I, I feel so bad for Rangers fans who, you know, really want to watch the game, and they got to stay up until 9 just to watch the start of it. And, you know, who, who knows how late they're able to stay up. It's, uh, what, a, what a, you know, so don't get me started on this, but it, to me it is a big travesty that the Rangers and Astros are in the AL West. Amen. Projected to more of these games than, uh, than, than what they should be. Amen. I could not agree with you more. Hey, appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon, Jared. Thank you. See ya. See you guys. See ya.